Happy anniversary, Fourth Line Theater. Happy anniversary, Fourth Line Theater. Happy anniversary, Fourth Line Theater. Hello, my fellow theater lovers. Welcome to episode two of Treading the Barnboards, tales from a farm turned theater on the Fourth Line of Millbrook. Welcome back. I'm Meg Murphy, and I have the pleasure of escorting you on an audio celebration of the 30th anniversary of Fourth Line Theater. In this episode, we're going to dive deeper into the psyche of the man who founded Fourth Line, Mr. Robert Winslow. Well, actually, I think we'll leave his psyche alone. I mean, he allows 17,000 people to traipse through his property every summer. Let's give his psyche some privacy, shall we? Rob founded Fourth Line Theatre in 1992, along with a motley crew of friends and fellow creatives. The first show on the farm, written by Rob, was The Cavan Blazers. It was the story of the gritty religious conflict between Catholic and Protestant settlers in Cavan Township in the mid-1800s. Rob had the play and a vision of staging it in the barnyard, and he had friends to help make that dream a reality. I had I had sort of the tools, and I had the energy, and I had the ambition, and I had the... But ultimately, there is a stubbornness saying this is going to happen. And then, because you get lots of roadblocks thrown in your way, a lot of people saying, oh, that'll never... Let's not bother, you know? <laughs> the first production of The Cavan Blazers had 50 cast members, horses, live fire, and torches. It was epic, to say the least. Rob has gone on to write several other plays, including... <gasps> Give me that primetime religion. Cavan Casanova, Two Rounds in a Square, Fair Play, The Bella Batash, The Orchard, Crow Hill, The Telephone Play, The Winslows of Derivore, Dr. Bernardo's Children, The Last Green Hill, Welcome Death, Wounded Soldiers, The History of Drinking in Cavan and Carmel. <laughs> He's working on another one right now, and it has him deeply embedded in research, particularly on the Holocaust. It's not that I'm obsessed with my own past or my own family's past. I'm obsessed with other people's pasts. Somebody who I didn't even know, who wasn't even related to me, who lived 150 years ago or 600 years ago or whatever, and I'm obsessed with their what happened to them, you know? Let's face it, it's, it's to me, I was trying to defend myself for all this research I've been doing on the Holocaust. And... And I said the other day to somebody, really what's at the base of it all is empathy. It's the need for empathy. And it's the need to cultivate and encourage in oneself empathy. And if you create something with that thing that's drawn you into that subject, maybe that person then will feel that empathy or the need, the need for empathy. And I think that was with the Cavan Blazers, Bernardo's Children, World War One, Carmel, and this new project. <clears throat> it's... It's trying to encourage it in yourself and in others to care. And when you see massive historical subjects and events that have passed that become forgotten and that 60% of Canadians don't even know about the Holocaust, like I find that so astounding. Like I just can't. So the artist works away at, at remembrance, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like November 11th, 365 days of the year. You can't do much of this work for too many years without thinking a lot about memory. You know, personal memory, collective memory, community memory, the value of that. Like you say, why does it have any importance? Why don't we just live in the complete present and then like a dog? Maybe, man, not the, I don't think our, my dog lives in the complete present, but um, yeah, no... There's a lot in there about about how we construct, what we construct. Oh, I want to take his brain 
and put it inside of my brain for a couple of days and just absorb all of his knowledge. Me too. That was singer, songwriter, actress, and all-round fantastic person, Kate Sir. He is so wise and brilliant, and I, I like that he is so interested in things. He's so interested in things, and that makes me interested in things. Now, Ken Houston and Emily Spazov have spent many summers at the farm. Emily was a babe in arms when she first graced the fourth line stage. This duo met during a show and are now engaged to be married. Aww. More on that later. But it sounds like Ken learned a lesson about Rob the hard way. Don't get into a debate with him on a topic unless you are sure you know what you're talking about. You'll have like a very intense energy, I think, is like a good way to put it. And but also is just so funny and so kind and so caring as well. And is just like so wonderful, such a wonderful person to talk to because he puts so much care and research into all of the stories that he tells. He's one of the knowledge keepers of our community now. Another actor who grew up on the farm from the age of about 11 is Griffin Clark. Rob is, is just, he's all creativity and so driven and so focused and, uh, I don't know if he's he always goes method, but there's there's quite a bit of method acting going on there. When I was first just getting to know Robert, I, one of my favorite acting experiences was uh, uh, working opposite him in uh, Glengarry Glen Ross, where he played uh, Shelley Levine. You saw the movie, the Jack Lemmon character, and I was uh, I was William Williamson, the uh, the Kevin Spacey character. He came in costume the first day of rehearsal. He he wore this tan suit the entire time he was uh, he was there. Off book his first rehearsal, so like basically he threw down the gauntlet, and I had no choice. I had to be, I had to be like off book for the next time we met. I was looking like an idiot. Like he had ninety percent of the lines, and he was off book. That's seventeen season veteran actor Matt Gilbert. Now I want to introduce you to a new voice. This is Lindy Finlan. She's the general manager of Fourth Line, and she's the one who keeps the train on the tracks. Here's her take on Rob. I just, there's so many fabulous uh, performances that I think of right away when I think of Robert, because he really is a bit of an introvert, really, um, in person, as a lot of actors, I think, are, and people might not realize that. But he is a bit of an introvert. But, of course, you know, he gets on stage and he becomes whatever, Reverend Bobby Angel or Dr. Logie, um, you know, so many great roles. And so, honestly, when I think of him, I also think of those characters. I don't know if he's a method actor, but he does really live and breathe those characters when he's playing them. Yeah, I, I remember I did a, a Shakespeare and Company thing in, uh, in 2015 down near Boston, and uh, I they had me doing Caliban. And when I would get into the character, <laughs> after they they'd stop the scene, I was I had a hard time letting go. And I remember them talking to me a lot about, you know, when you get to the point where as soon as the scene's over, you can just cut cut the cord of that character. That's what you really want. You don't want to live the character. So yeah, I'd say I probably. I probably have a tendency to do that, but I have a tendency to internalize other spirits. So if I'm if I, an actor, if I go see a, a great Jack Nicholson film or something or, or, or Dustin Hoffman's I'm d- dating myself, but I would come out of the theater kind of feeling like them, you know, 
And it's part of that empath. If, if, if it's a certain empath part to acting where you soak in something and become it, then why wouldn't it become somewhat of a method thing a little bit, you know, where you're living it as opposed to just showing it, I guess. Robert, I remember uh, first encountering him at Trent as a, you know, as an instructor, and he was so passionate about, you know, what he was doing. So just running the the staging workshop, you know, you're getting everybody on their feet and you're doing different sort of theater games or or activities or exercises. And he was so open to experimentation and people just kind of trying things. And there were people of all different skill and comfort levels uh, with theater and, and acting and performing in that class. And he was so encouraging. And I remember we had to do like what was very scary, which was you had to write a monologue and stage it yourself and then perform it for everybody and Robert and be marked on it. So like that's... Like, that's like, what? <laughs> so I just remember doing it, doing the, the terrifying monologue performance in front of everybody. And I remember his, he gave me feedback in person, but then in writing, because he's very articulate, I think when he's writing, I still have, you know, that <laughs> sheet of paper um, with his feedback because it was just very, very meaningful to me because it was very lovely and he really enjoyed the performance and it made me feel good about having gone out on that ledge. So that was my sort of first experience with Robert. And now here's Robert's take on meeting Lindy. She was a student of mine at Trent and in cultural studies about 10 years ago and came in and worked as, you know, as an assistant administrator and has worked now she's GM and like she's just a she's an angel I mean really I mean she's so dedicated and she's so hardworking and so positive and so nice Aww, you guys I'm getting all overclamped over here now what about Rob as a director here's Ken Griffin and Matt again he's a I'd say he's a very elemental being it's you know you can have the you can have the 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 calm kind the, the the calm breeze or the windstorm it's <laughs> he, there there is all but there is very much a a genuine care for the people who are performing in his shows and what they're what they're doing like when i when i was doing uh, wounded soldiers there was a lot of heavy topic to cover in that and there was a lot of helping that he did a lot of helping people find where they needed to be but also making sure that like checking in everyone says like you're doing okay. You're doing okay. And he has very high expectations of his actors when he's directing. So, you know, I've worked with him as an actor and been directed by him in his own shows that he wrote. You know, it's it can be a real challenge, but you come out of it um, you know, being very proud of the work that you've done. Yeah, Rob is uh was incredibly formative uh formative presence for me growing up. He, he really has a, yeah, a devilish sense of humor. When he's in director mode, I mean, you're lucky if you can get like five words wrong because he's all laser focused, which I do, which I do appreciate. And when he, when he wants to be, he is as, uh, as good a director as I've, uh, as I've worked. Man, I can remember one time with Rob, he was at a dinner at our place and I was like probably eight or nine. I had like just read some like 
young fiction like kids book and I think I talked for like an over an hour just going recapping the whole story about this book and he was so intent on listening he was asking questions but yeah I like like just totally just like letting me do this like and totally letting me just like and I didn't feel like I was annoying him or anything like that and he just <laughs> that's Annika Spazov she and her family have been involved with the theater for 30 years she grew up there as did so many children and that was one of Rob's favorite aspects of the theater I like that part of it because those are memories that are pretty deep for people what you experience as children, you know, and because they don't have children, the memories that they have will somehow make a continuum. You know, Griffin, I mean, he was working there since he was a kid. Same with Emily, who's getting married there. Yeah, that's good. That's a good thing. And the other thing, let me go to the other end of things, would be the elders who have told us their stories and who have come and Either they have seen the shows or their children have seen the shows, whether it's Ona Gardner coming and, and reading the poem at the end of Crow Hill that the show was based on her largely, or a son or daughter of, of, of Hubert Lowe's coming who died. He died at 100, and, and, his, and the scene where he's shown to be a teetotaler and his son coming up to me and saying, that's just the way my grandfather was, and that's so great you did that. Yeah, I'd say it would be that. that would be, those would be the moments, yeah. Here's Managing Artistic Director Kim Blackwell. And, you know, I've always taken the, the lead from Robert and his view of community and his great respect for the elders in his community. And I also do think because Robert has an implicit right to be there. I've said this to people for years. If we were just a bunch of crazy theater people who had rented or bought a farm property and rolled out of an RV or a, a VW minivan one day and, and then came to this farm property and said to people at the coffee shops downtown, now tell us your stories. Like, what are your stories? There would have been um, a wariness. But Robert is Bobby Winslow. He's Lawrence Winslow's son, Lawrence and Jean Winslow. And his family have been on that property since the 1850s. And so he had a right to tell those early stories, the Cavan Blazers and the, the myriad of stories that he first looked at. And I think that made the buy-in so much earlier, smoother and bigger. And now we've gone obviously beyond that in some ways. Um, lots of those old timers, unfortunately, aren't with us anymore. And new people have replaced them who might not have the same connection with Robert. But I mean, Rob's mom was the church organist. Rob's dad was a, a reeve in the township. Rob's family has been there for generations. So it is pretty neat to have such ties to a place. And that's not my place. It's not my place. But I feel ties to it now in a different way, obviously. Running a theatre company is hard work. Really hard work. And the business side of the business eh, wasn't entirely up Rob's alley. Right from the beginning, I've just been drawn to stories. And, and I know I'm proud that the company exists. And I know a certain amount of work needed to be done to write grants and organize publicity and, and, and hire actors and deal with their problems and all that stuff, all that stuff. That was never, ever, ever of any interest to me other than it was a means to an end. So... For me, it's the it's the research, it's the creating creation of the play, 
And sometimes, I mean, I started as an actor. That's where I started. So I still can get some enjoyment out of that. But, uh, but I think I understand. I think like a hockey coach who, who played hockey, I think I kind of understand, can kind of understand actors a bit because I have been an actor, you know, when you're working with actors and, and the sort of freedom you need to give them some guidance, but not sort of totally box them in and all that stuff. I, I do think sometimes, uh, especially when back before Kim really started to uh, take on some of the roles, he was so overextended. He couldn't, could, never could focus on the dread on the, on the direction because he's also the writer and he's also, he's also having to deal with board issues and the office. And he's got the, he's also thinking about the next round of grants in three months and yada, 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 yada. And he still has to find a way to make a living in the winter months. (laughs) And (laughs) I think at Rob's core is that he's a, he's a storyteller. He takes such care for all of the work that he does. Like if you look at, the amount of research he does for all of these plays that he goes and writes and the depth that he goes into getting works translated from German so that he can go and re- go and understand pieces and all these things. And we've had him over for dinners and bonfires and things like that. And he's just going on about the histories of all these things that he's learning for these stories. And I think he isn't with that care. He, he takes a lot of that on, I think, sometimes. And I think that can wear someone down. And what happens when it's time to step back? Here's longtime production collaborator Esther Vincent. He's he's proven himself. He's done what he needed to do, and I think he wanted to step back from administrative tasks because it's exhausting. Um, maybe step back a bit from control and be able to just be the guy on the farm who watched it all happen and could occasionally direct or act or or build a garden for a show, which he did for Carmel. Because it's been very interesting for me stepping back on something that I founded and kind of like it, you know, was my baby for so long, and it, it and and to try to find any kind of like what's life after that like, uh, and watch someone take over and having extremely different priorities, but still honoring through all that difference that kind of under under foundational whatever fourth line is so it's been very interesting for me to to witness that to kind of find out what is my role in all that and uh and it's it's also a little bit schizophrenic for me because um local people still associate me with the company quite heavily and they, but but my day to day involved with the company is so different than it was, you know, from the last three years before the last, you know, uh, so I I feel kind of like I'm living in this kind of twilight zone. Let's put it that. Let's say the twilight zone. Let's say the twilight zone. I don't want to interfere, and I don't interfere, and I don't. But if you, it's very easy to become invisible. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's like that was that line in uh, Little Big Man. I'm invisible. <laughs> Take Chief Dad George. Uh, and sometimes I feel like I should have a T-shirt that says "Out to Pasture," you know. But uh, I don't know. I think maybe if I have a se- if I continue to have a sense of humor, 
and have a kind of ironic attitude to everything around me because the world's changing so much and everything is changing so fast. And all the, you know, what I'm, you know, I'm obsessed with movies from the 1970s and I, 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 I'm live, I, you know, I like, C, I have tons of CDs. Like it's, it's, I'm so out of what's happening now. So I just, all I have is my humor really. And I think I have an ability to think about stories and, and develop, like, I'm serious. Like I, I, I could work on this project I'm working on now. I could work on it till I'm dead probably and just be happy that I'm still kind of learning a bit every day. But in terms of the company, like I said, it's very complicated because in a normal theater, a normal theater, I wouldn't own the theater. I wouldn't, the theater wouldn't be happening where I live. So it would be pretty clear. Oh yes, Robert founded the theater. There's this picture on the wall. Like at Trent, you see the, you know, Tom Simons and, I mean, I'm not comparing it to that, but, but, you know, and it wasn't that nice. Wasn't it, wasn't it in, in a, oh, good old Robert, but it's not quite like that. Cause I'm still there on the farm. So what happens? What do you hope happens to fourth line? How in the world will it continue there <clears throat> past my life? And in some ways I do hope it continues there because it could go to another property. And if it goes somewhere else, it should go to a public place. That's, that has some sense of history about it. Once that connection is severed to that land, it'll, it'll be interesting because that, that, that land has a power. It, it, it makes a focus for things somehow. More than I'm aware. More than I'm aware. This is what I hear from other people. I, for me, it's just like this zoo of activity that starts in May, but it's, yeah. I'm happy that if people want to come and enjoy themselves, I'll tell you, my mom was... Of all her qualities, her best quality was welcoming. And she would welcome anybody who ever came to that farm. Doesn't matter who they were. She would welcome them like they were her long lost sister or something. So I'm, I still have enough of that in me to be happy, you know. And what about you? How do, how do you hope to be remembered? I hope it's a positive. Because, I, I mean, you know, really what people think of me personally, that's a totally different thing. And... Uh, Actually, that's again with stories, right? Because as soon as you're gone, like this is the big secret, and I'll tell you, it's, it's pretty obvious. As soon as you're gone, you can't promote yourself anymore. <laughs> as soon as you're gone, the great big forgetfulness happens. Like, yeah, they remember Mozart, they remember Beethoven, they remember, but for most of us, like 99.9999999% of us, when we're gone, we're gone. And then pretty soon, oh yeah, remember that guy that, started that what was that theater called and where was that like that's what it all it all happens so you kind of <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of negative but anybody who remembers it I guess that it's, it was a positive memory for people they enjoyed coming out and seeing a play on this old farm and and maybe maybe other people will think of starting something because they had somehow heard about this thing that worked out in Millbrook cabin you know so maybe that will happen personal about about your personal legacy how you remembered doesn't really matter does it I mean ultimately
If you could go back 30 years uh, to the beginning of Fourth Line, you're standing in the barnyard, you're having a, a vision for the Cavan Blazers. What advice would you give to your younger self? Loosen up. Have a to- have a toke. <laughs> Stay longer at the party. Yeah. Uh, live and let live. Don't sweat the small stuff. What they say when I, when I was in an Irish pub one time on one of my research trips to Ireland, the guy looked at me and said, it'll never happen. You know that that Irish, little bit of Irish humor there? People look serious like, like the, the world's going to fall on them. And the guy just said, it'll never happen. <laughs> On behalf of this community, thank you, Rob, for adding so much to the cultural fabric of this area, for telling stories and for turning an old barn into something really special for a lot of people. Here's Annika Spazov and Kim Blackwell again. I'm forever going to be grateful, though, for him and Kim and also for Rob going and giving like his home <laughs> to us to kind of be like our second home for the summers every year. Um, so forever going to be grateful for both of them for the work and how they've created Fourth Line. Well, I feel very indebted to Rob Winslow for giving me the chance to even have this journey. I feel so lucky to have worked with the artists that I've worked with across the span of now two generations almost of artists and community people and the trust that that community has placed in in me and us is pretty, it's humbling. And that they'll go with us. They will play with us. We don't always get it right. They don't always love what we do. And they will tell us. It doesn't mean we're going to stop pushing the envelope sometimes. We're not going to do it as often. Maybe. But we're going to lead as opposed to be led. And I'm going to constantly try to be an artistic leader who is also sensitive to our community at the same time. Well, that sounds like a great segue into our next episode. Thanks, Ms. Blackwell. Join us next time on Treading the Barn Boards, where we dive deeper into the incomparable artistic director, writer, dramaturge, and all-round creative force that is Kim Blackwell. Thank you to everyone who shared their stories, and to those whom I didn't have the chance to record, Thank you for playing a role in the life of Fourth Line Theatre. Thank you to Poddington Bear for the music, and thank you for listening. Live theatre is back at the barn. Please visit fourthlinetheatre.on.ca for tickets and events. Happy anniversary, Fourth Line Theatre. See you this summer on the stage. <laughs>